Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. The Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs 2. Proverbs 2. We began studying the book of Proverbs a little over a month ago. And uh, in that first message, we saw the the precept and the principle that is going to be guiding our study throughout this book. And it comes from Proverbs 1, verses 5 to 7, where we read, A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To attain a proverb and enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so in the heart of that passage there, the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge, is the precept that, that will guide everything that we're looking on as we come through here. But the principle then is bookcased, if you would, around that precept. And that is that the wise then will desire wisdom and understanding, but fools will despise it. And so as we have looked each week at this, um, considering the, um, the propagation of wisdom, the, the, the portrait of wisdom... I'm missing one in there. There was all P's. But anyways, that we've seen that this precept and principles have been all throughout this entire um, series. Repetition is key to learning. And so today is no different. As we look today toward the pursuit of wisdom from Proverbs chapter 2. But I want to do the Bible reading in just a moment. But I'd like to do something else first. And I warned the kids about that um, but I note, I, I, I laughed about there being the blue flu, and there, and there has been. So that means that the woos and the characters. Oh, wait, nope. Andres is here, too. I see Andres. Okay. So you guys have to speak real loud because we have our searching for treasures going on this summer. And our key verse is what, Kaylee Rain? You can just say the reference. Tell me the reference. Proverbs t- 2, 3 through 6. Okay? So if you're a. A kid in that in the in the, uh, the summer program, I think all of them have quoted this key verse. So if you would stand up, okay, you got to stand up, okay, and I want you guys to try to do this, okay, without my help, okay. We're gonna start with yes if, right? So we'll start with the reference Proverbs two three through six. Yes if, okay. Here we go. One two three. Proverbs two. Good, good. All right, good. You may be seated. All right, so it's important to hide God's word in your heart, okay? And we're going to find out today why, okay, about that pursuit that God wants us to have toward wisdom. So, Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, and I will read these, and then we're going to talk about it. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that You incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then 
you will understand the fear of Yahweh and find the knowledge of God. For Yahweh gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity, and every good path. So, as we read through that, hopefully you noted what you pretty much see on the screen. If you're way in the back, you may not see it on the screen, but that's all. you'll have to get uh, thicker glasses. Anyways, but if you see in the red, there are the conditionals, the requisites, if you would, that will play out with the green. This is the result, the then, right? So if, then, right? But then, Mo, Moses, that's good. Solomon gives us the reason why this all happens for Yahweh. Yahweh does this, okay? So, as we look through that, put my little statements there, the requisites, the result, and the, the reasons, okay, that are there. Today, we're going to look at the requisites. But I want to highlight real quickly, and we'll look at these next week, Lord willing, the results. Because, again, without looking at the thens, the ifs mean nothing. Does it make sense? So that's kind of where we're aiming at, what we want, okay? And you can see both of the thens, verse 5 and 9, are exactly the same. Then you will what? Then you'll understand. Then you'll understand. Why does... Why? I just don't get it. Do you want to get it? Do you want to understand? Do you want to look out at the world and say, Oh, I get it. Do you want to look at a situation and say, Oh, it's starting to make sense. Oh, I get that. Well, here's the deal. These requisites got to happen. Then what? then you will understand. There's a promise. You're given it. Or you'll, you'll understand. You're, you're, it's given as a promise. Why? Because of, oops, because of Yahweh. Because of Yahweh. Yahweh's the one who gives understanding. Yahweh's the one who gives that. We'll talk about it again more next week, okay? About this blessing that's promised for us out there. You want understanding? Then listen today. Does it make sense? Apply what happens today. That's next week. But if I don't share with you what's going to happen next week, it's like telling the kids, right? Years ago, we had the, the three candy roll. Was that three candy? It was six, six candy. It was three candy roll. And so they all learn it. We put three of their favorite pieces of candy on the kitchen counter and say, you can have these as soon as you can get your room cleaned up. Do you know what happens? The room what? Gets cleaned up. How fast, Nancy? Fast. Do you know what happens at that moment? The kids are now in trouble. Because now we know and how fast it can be done. So now I want the room cleaned up with the three candy roll. <laughs> Does it make sense? Okay. The point is, if you have something there that you're what? Looking forward to. Right? Did you do the three candy rolls, Tammy? Uh, see, I, I saw you consoling Kate, and now she's threatening Kate. She's going to go 
get three, three, three musical scores and put them on the counter and say, Caleb, you can play these new musical scores if you just clean your room. Anyways, <laughs> stop giving her ideas. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like it all wears off when the kids realize, you know what, I can go buy my own candy. Anyways. <laughs> but when you have that out there that you're looking forward to, it's amazing what you are willing to, to do. Okay? So today, we want to look at the four requisites that are put right in this passage. I love this passage because it, it is its own outline. Does it make sense? It's just sitting there waiting for us to explore it. And so today, I'm going to go back a few months here to David's comment about getting rid of all the technical stuff. This is definitely, you'll note there's no blanks on your sermon note sheets. Do you know why? We're going a lot of verses and we're going to do a lot of word study. Okay, this is just a word study message. Okay, and so in a sense, I want to encourage you to, as you study God's Word, to study God's Word, to study God's Word, to study God's Word. Not just to read it, to read it, to read it, and read through it. Years ago, when I went to seminary, one of the professors, I think it was Dr. Lovick, said, don't just go through seminary. Let seminary go through you. Get rid of seminary. Put scriptures there. Don't just go through the scriptures. Let the scriptures go through you don't just get through God's word let God's word get through you and that happens when you take time to read it to study it to digest it to let it to apply to your life so we're going to go through each one of these requisites Lord willing um, looking at um, what they actually say because there is so much here first of all the first requisite is if you receive my words and treasure my commands that word receive We've looked at a few weeks ago, it's the word lachak, which just means to receive or to, to accept, okay? And so, so, again, the idea is if I take the hymnal and I go like this to Marcia, she has the chance to what? Take it. Or what? Or receive it. Take it sounds more what? Say again? Active. Like she's actually doing something to take it. Receiving means it's, just, it's kind of more passive. Make sense? And that's exactly a, a picture of, again, of salvation. Okay? Um, salvation is, is a matter of whether you take it or you what? Receive it. It's there for the taking. But you couldn't have done it all on your own. God did it for you. And he's laying it out there for you. You just have to receive it. You get it? It's both sides of the coin that are there. So... This first one is the hack. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it because we have in the past. If you receive what? My words, okay? So again, this is Solomon speaking, okay? However, this is beyond Solomon at this moment. This is the Holy Spirit using Solomon to write words of wisdom for us, okay? So in my mind, this is not the message on listen to your parents, but this is the message on listen to your heavenly Father, okay? If you receive if you take my words and then do what treasure them if you treasure my commands this word treasure is really a treasure by itself um steve you should feel very um close to this word yeah it's the hebrew word safan it's your name 
And so you are a treasure. And you are actually a treasure to me. I've said that numerous times. Steve and I have met since 2003 every Wednesday or Tuesday. And um, he has been a treasure from God to me during these last so many years. This word savan, though, literally means to hide away because of its importance. So we're going to do a, a lot of word studies here, okay? So in Exodus 2, you can turn there, but I'm going to share a couple of these right off the bat. In Exodus 2, verse 2 to 3, Yachabed, that's Moses' mother, did what? What did she do with Moses? She hid him. She hid him, okay, for a couple months. Why? Because she didn't like him. And so all the other kids, they got to go out and play and everything else. Moses, she didn't like Moses a whole lot, so she stuck him in the back room and said, you got to stay there. Is that what happened? No, not at all. It's complete opposite. Why did she hide Moses? To protect his life. Why? Because Pharaoh's killing him. Why did she want to? She treasured him. Good job. You're... Andrew's the only one clicking here. Okay. okay. She treasured him. That's why she hid him. Because he was precious. So she treasured him. So she hid him. So he wouldn't be killed or taken away. Right? Joshua 2, verses 4. Rahab did what with the spies? Hid them. Now, here's a hard one, because we just said that Moses' mother treasured Moses. Would we say that Rahab treasured the spies? She hid the spies. She treasured her life, but if she really treasured her life more than anything else, what would she have done? Turned the spies in. So, she didn't turn the spies in, she hid the spies. They represented not just God, but be more specific, Karen. Well, the nation that restored him, but Yahweh. Okay, where I'm going is with Yahweh because she's in Jericho and they have multiple what? Gods. She's choosing what? A new god. She's choosing the god of Israel over the gods that Jericho served. Do you make sense? And she treasured it. She treasured what she knew was going to happen. Faith that she had in Yahweh was so treasured that she was willing to risk her own life, think about it, and hide these guys that were spies. What would have happened if the soldiers came in and found them? Off, that's right, off with her head. She would have been killed. Who knows how she would have died, but she would have died. Okay, So she hid, the word Stephan here is to hide. Again, what we're showing is what the word literally means. Okay? Psalm 27, verse 5. In time of trouble, Yahweh will what? Hide me in his pavilion. Psalm 31, 19. How great is your goodness which you have laid up or hid, hid for those who fear you. Psalm 119, verse 11. We sang this one a long time ago. Kids, you memorized this, right? Your words have I hidden in my heart that I might not Sin against you. So, go back up to our, our word here. Receive my words in what? Hide. Hide my commands. Treasure my commands. Where are you supposed to hide them? In your heart. You know what's really kind of fun here? As we, we're, we're New Testament believers, right? Not Old Testament believers, but we're New Testament believers. New Testament believers were, means we're under the new covenant. Does any remember, any remember specifically what, what the new covenant is, is about? What was, what was special about the new covenant? What did Yahweh say about it? Good. Say again, louder. 
He'll put his word within us, within our hearts. No longer are we under the command, but now the laws and the commands are written in our minds and on our hearts. Now it's something that we want to do, not that we have to do. And so this is the challenge that was given through Solomon to even the people back then. And that is that the command should be where? Hidden within you. Take it. I'm, 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 I'm putting wisdom out there. I'm putting understanding out there for you. All you have to do is receive it. And when you take it and receive it, then what? Treasure it. Hide it. Hide it in your hearts. And as we saw with David from the psalm, if you hide it in your heart, then what? You will not sin against. So, do you want to stop sinning? Do you want to be closer drawn to Christ? Then what should you do? Take his word and hide it in your hearts. Too many times we take this word, this book, and we literally hide it. And then we never get it out again. But we're supposed to take it, read it, eat it, absorb it, hide it in our hearts. Secondly, so if you receive my words and treasure my commands, secondly, if you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah 28, 23 says, Give ear and hear my voice. Listen and hear my Speech. The word kashab literally means to hearken or to have your ears pricked. To listen, to hearken or have your ears pricked. Isaiah 28, give ear and hear my voice. Listen and hear my speech. Now I use that verse because, note, kashab is not give ear. Kashab is not hear. Kashab is Listen. There is a difference between hearing something and what? Are you listening to me? Yeah, exactly. How many times do the parents say that to the kids, right? I know you hear me, but are you listening? Are you paying attention? That's literally what this verb is saying. So incline your ear literally means what? Pay attention. Listen, Isaiah 42, verse 23. Who among you will give ear to this? Who will listen and hear for the time to come? Jeremiah 6. Somebody want to turn there? Jeremiah 6, verse 10. In fact, everybody turn there. We're going to look at a couple verses there. Sword drill. Okay. Jeremiah 6, verse 10. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? That's not our word. Indeed, their ear is uncircumcised. They cannot give heed. That's our word. Behold, the word of Yahweh is a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. So the warning can be given, but they won't hear it. They won't pay attention to it. Why? What's it say in verse 10? Why won't they hearken to it? 
Say, well, why? But why are the ears closed? No, it says it right there, right afterwards. Yeah, the word, the word of Yahweh is a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. They don't want any part of it. Do you know why the world doesn't think straight? Yeah. <laughs> They're not reading this word. I mean, look, if, if, you, if you're, the steady diet is Fox News and CNN, yes, I put those together, okay? If the steady diet is, is, is the news of the world, and I don't care which brand you're going to look at it, it's not this news. It's not the good news. It's not God's word. It's not God's truth. It's a spin. No matter which way you're going to spin it, I don't care which way you spin it, it's a spin on truth. Only God has ultimate truth. And, and you are being manipulated by the world one way or the other. And you've got to be careful. Do you want to understand? Do you really want to understand? Then you will understand. Does that make sense? This is where truth comes from. Right here. But we're told in Jeremiah 6, they don't get it. They're not going to get it. Why are they going to get it? Because the word of God is a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. Drop down to verse 17. Jeremiah 6, verse 17. Also, I set a watchman over you, saying, Listen! to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not listen. Therefore, hear you nations and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth. Listen to the sound of the trumpet. That's our word. We will not listen. That's our word. Hear, O earth. That's our word. Pay attention. Behold, I will certainly bring calamity on this people, the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not heeded my words nor my law, but rejected it. Do you hear that condemnation? Does this sound like today? The world wants no part of God's word. What do you think is going to come upon this world? Judgment. It's exactly right. It probably already is. But the world's just ignorant to it. I ponder... Egypt, during those first plagues, Pharaoh, Moses and Aaron come before him, and, you know, there's the, 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 the staffs being turned into the serpents, and then the, the um, magicians are able to do that. So that's pretty impressive, except for what happens then. Moses' serpent eats everybody else's serpents, and then he picks it up and it becomes one staff. Where do the magicians have their staffs now? I mean, I love it. I mean, I love it. I mean, is Pharaoh looking around and going, oh, there's only one staff left. But, oh, no, it doesn't change him, right? And so, so then the play comes, right? The, the water turns into blood. And so, but the magicians are able to do what? Turn water into blood. I'm not quite sure how they figured that one out. But anyways, and how that all played out. But still, it didn't, yeah, it's exactly right. Now we just have more water turning into blood, right? And so, that's right, turn it back. That's exactly right. So, but my point is that Pharaoh's seeing these miracles, Pharaoh's seeing things happen, and he's what? It's heart hardening, yeah, just rejecting, rejecting. All of a sudden, it's getting to the point where the magicians can't what? They can't duplicate them anymore. And he realizes these have to only, he, he can only get the healing or whatever the, from Moses. That's exactly right, okay? O- only Yahweh. Only the true God can do these things. And yet he's still what? 
rejecting it, stopping his ears to it. Because he's what? He's hearing it. He's just not heeding, listening, paying attention. The, the um, plague of all the plagues that I love the most is, is hail. Now, I don't, want, I don't like hail. I mean, I've driven through softball-sized hail. I really have. And, um, and so, not that I, I love hail, but I love when I read about the plague of hail. You know why? That's the one where Moses comes in and says, look, this next one, you better pay attention to this. Because this hail is going to come down, and it's going to kill everything that's out in the field. It's going to destroy all the crops. And so if I was you, I would get all my animals and all my servants out of the fields. I talked about this, I think, a few weeks ago. It was. And, um, and so I can't imagine what went on in Pharaoh's court that day. With all, you know, because we're told that and there was servants of Pharaoh that do what? They, they heeded it. They, they were listening, and they what? They paid attention. And because they paid attention, what happened? Their, their servants and, and their animals survived. Just an amazing thing. So, again, judgment is going to come upon the world because the world is not what? Heeding it. Proverbs 1, Proverbs, or Proverbs 4, Proverbs 5, Proverbs 7. You have those verses on your sermon. No cheat. Those are, those are all about the Father. Challenging the Son to not just hear, but to heed. To incline the ear. To listen. To pay attention. Okay? Secondly, then, it's not just incline the ear. Thank you. Not sure what happened there. But apply your heart to understanding. The second half of this is the word nata. Okay? It means to spread out or to stretch out. So go with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Verse 8, we'll only look at one of these. All these others say this pretty much the same thing. Genesis 12, verse 8. This is talking about Abram. Verse, Genesis 12, verse 8. And he moved from there to the mountains east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to Yahweh and called upon the name of Yahweh. And so, um, we're told that he pitched his tent. He pitched the tent. And so the idea there is of pitching is that he stretched it out. Stretched it out. He stretched the tent out. And so you can see that again in uh, Genesis 26, Genesis 33, Genesis 35. In Exodus 6, and then I don't know what happened, Mark. Thank you. Um, Exodus 7, 5 and all that is literally is stretching out your arm or your hand. And so Moses stretched out his arm. He stretched out his um, hand. And so the idea of stretching, stretching, so reaching, reaching out. And so we get to Psalm 45. And all, a, lot of, a lot of Psalms have this where it's stretching out. Um, your hand or reaching out your ear to that. Oh, there we go. Okay, Judges 9. Um, turn there with me to Judges 9.
Judges 9. This is about Abimelech's conspiracy. And we, we come down in verse 3, it says, And his mother's brothers spoke all these words concerning him in the hearing of all the men of Shechem. In their heart was what? Inclined, stretched out to follow Abimelech, for they said, He is our brother. So, stretching out the tent, stretching out your hand, but now the word is to be used in a more of a figurative sense, if you would, applicationally, to your what? Your heart, your will, your motives. That you begin to stretch out. It wasn't necessarily there to begin with. Does it make sense? The tent, like the tent wasn't there to begin with, right? I mean, if you ever, if you've ever set up a tent, you pull the tent out and you lay it down. It doesn't what? Say again? It doesn't do much good. And it's not going to what? Set itself up. You have to what? Help it and you have to stretch it out, okay? Same way with your hand. It's just kind of here. We don't think about it, but I'm what? I'm making a cognitive decision to do what? Move my hand, to stretch it out. Same thing now comes with your heart. Note, Abimelech, when they come to Abimelech, his, his, his brothers were then what? Inclined to or stretched out to follow him. It wasn't necessarily their original thought process. It wasn't where they began to think about it. But now they began to what? To move in a direction where their will was in place. Turn with me now to 1 Kings 11. 1 Kings 11. Beginning at verse 1. But Solomon, King Solomon, loved many foreign women, as well as a daughter of Pharaoh, woman of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom Yahweh had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives, what? Stretched his heart. Stretched his heart away. Turned, his, turned away his heart. Literally is the word for incline, or to stretch here. And so, the idea again is that you can be pulled away. So again, I liken it, though the word's not there in Psalm 1, it's very clearly there in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor what? Stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. What actually is happening between the walking, the standing, and the sitting? He's being what? Stretched. He's being moved. He's being drawn that way. Okay, that's the idea there. Psalm 119, verse 36 Incline my heart unto your testimonies and not to covetousness. Psalm 119, verse 112. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end. And then you have other um, verses here. 
But I want to end with Isaiah, not end the message, but end this part of it with Isaiah 44, verse 19. Turn there with me. We've got a little bit more to go. Isaiah 44, verse 19. Yahweh's talking against Israel because they're going out after these false gods, these false idols, these worthless idols. And he says, beginning of verse 19, he says, No one considers in his heart, nor is there knowledge nor understanding to say, I have burned half of it in the fire. Yes, I have also baked bread on its coals. I have roasted meat and eaten it. And shall I make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? He feeds on ashes. A deceived heart has turned him aside, nor can he, de- and he cannot deliver his soul, nor say, is there not a lie in my right hand? What's our word? Turned him aside. A deceived heart has turned him aside. And so he has given himself over to what? Deception. He's given himself over to false idols. I mean, and so Yahweh says, look, the guy can't even look at this piece of wood and say, you know what? I burned half of this. I cooked my food over it. And then, well, now I might as well bow down to the rest of it. How dumb is that? But gradually, his heart had been what? Stretched, turned aside from the true God, the one and only true God, and he no longer gets it. He just doesn't get it. And I think of as... Um, Chuck, as you shared with the, the, the United States in, in its beginning and stuff like that, that we had such a foundation upon, upon the Creator God. We can debate Christianity and who was a Christian, who wasn't. Freak, I don't really care. You cannot deny the, the, the basis of the Creator God in the formation of this country. But there came a point when we no longer chose to worship the Creator God, but we chose to worship evolution. We chose to worship ourselves instead. That's actually where it begins. You want to worship yourself, and so you've got to find something then to what? Replace God. So you just say, man just what? Evolved. We don't have to have a Creator. We just evolved, and we are the end all. And we get to where we're at today. Where man has no concept of what truth really is. They don't understand. They don't get it. The sad thing to me is how many believers have followed the same pattern. Have followed after the gods of this age and are more interested in the gods of this age than they are the God of creation. And so their hearts are being what? Led astray as well. Move on to the next, oh, to understanding. Yeah, this is important. So, so the word tabuna. Um, tabuna is from being, and so if you remember, we talked about being and binah um, already. It is the word for understanding. You have wisdom and understanding. But tabuna, so tabuna from that being is, um, is the word, I'm going to just use some illustrations here because it's going to help us to understand it is, it is the word more for craftsmanship understanding, okay? Chokmah and bean or tabuna go hand in hand together, wisdom and understanding. Um, Bezalel, Aholiab, 
and others, the ones who God brought to Bezalel and Aholiab, they were given the spirit of wisdom and understanding to make all of the things that were going to go into the tabernacle. Okay? So they weren't necessarily given wisdom to make right decisions morally. Does it make sense? They were given the abilities as a craftsman to be able to create the tapestries, the, the carpentry, um, and everything else that was going to go into the tabernacle. We see the same with Solomon. Oops, I went too far, but sorry. Solomon in Hiram. Solomon was given wisdom, uh, understanding to Buna when it came to the, the temple, to, to putting together the temple. And he hired, he went out and hired Hiram of Tyre, who also then was given to Buna in order to be able to make everything that was in the, the temple. Okay? So, concept here is that these two things are placed together to, to really picture all wisdom. Kokhma is, is moral wisdom. Tabuna is craftsman wisdom. I don't know how to explain that, other than there's knowledge. And there's knowledge in a moral sense, and there's knowledge in a practical sense. And Kokhma is wisdom, which is applied knowledge in the moral sense. Tabuna is applied knowledge in the practical sense. Does that, are you tracking with me on that one? Okay, And what is fun here, then, is in Job, chapter 12, verses 12 and 13, we read, With the ancient is wisdom, and in length of days, understanding. And so, we're going to talk in, the, in days ahead about the passages in Proverbs where it says, the, the fool is wise in his own eyes, right? And, and the reality is that we, we face that with a lot of people in the younger generation, but it's not new to this generation, I promise you. That, that always happens, right? Because the, as the, the young man or the young woman becomes a young man or a young woman, God has placed it within them to start having independent thinking. And as they start to have independent thinking, they start thinking independently duh, from their moms and dads, right? And sometimes their thinking isn't the same as their moms and dads, and so therefore they think that their mom and dad are what? Wrong. And they don't understand. They don't get it. But God's word continually says that with the ancient is wisdom. With the elderly, with the older individuals is wisdom. And also in length of days, what? Understanding. And so, I get this. Uh, I, growing up, would never have thought about attempting to build a screen porch or a Florida room or whatever. Okay, But over the years, as we planted this church, God decided then to raise up a what? a home improvement business for me, right? And now, it's still a scary thing, but now it's not a big deal to, to, to do certain things. Make sense? That's the understanding side of this. That, that's the tabuna side. That's the craftsman side of this stuff. Hopefully, as you get older, and you learn from the seed of education, right? It's that your kokma, your moral wisdom is increasing as well. The problem is, Kokma in wisdom, now, in, in, or Kokma in Tabuna, now, challenge, check me on this one, okay, comes from here. I want you to think about this. Practical wisdom can also come from here. Ultimately, it comes from who? From Yahweh. Yahweh created the earth 
with Tabuna. That's the wisdom that he used. It was Tabuna. He is the master craftsman. And this is kind of fun to me because Jesus, I shared this at Christmas a couple years ago. We always talk about Jesus was the son of a what? Carpenter. He wasn't. He wasn't. That's not the word. He was the son of a craftsman. He was the son of a master craftsman. So in the Greek, as it is also in the Hebrew, he would be a craftsman of wood. Joseph was never called a craftsman of wood. A mason was a craftsman of stone. He wasn't called that either. He was a craftsman. He was a technon. That's where we get our word technology from. The study of craftsmanship. And it makes total sense to me that Jesus then, growing up, would be a what? Master craftsman. Because from the beginning, he always has been. That's who created the heavens and the earth. Do you want wisdom, moral, and understanding to know how to do things? I can't tell you how many times, being the duck out of the water for home improvement stuff, that I got to a place where I didn't know what to do. And I had to what? Pray. Right there on the spot. Lord, I don't know what's happening right now. But I know that you do, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think. And I'm asking you right now to put wisdom in my brain to understand this because I haven't got a clue. And these people are paying me to have a clue. And I want to honor you, and I want when I'm done for them to glorify your name. And you know what? Whether he put the thought in my brain or he put somebody's name in my brain so I could call them to learn how to do it. Ultimately, it derived from him. I could give you lots of illustrations of how I believe this played out in my brain. Okay? Proverbs 3, 13, 19, all these places, talking about, again, how Yahweh had Tabuna as well. And so, very important as we look at this. We've got to continue to move on, though. Thirdly, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding... The word cry literally means to ah! cry, cry out, right? So cry out for what? Discernment first, discernment. Cry out for discernment, okay, to, to understand that stuff. And so literally this word is the word bina again, though. So we're going to see this word bin, bina, and tabuna. Remember, tabuna comes from bin and bina, okay? Comes over and over and over and over in this thing that you're supposed to be crying out for this thing, for wisdom and understanding, okay? And so, if you cry out for Bina, okay, the same concept, then you'll get it, okay? So, I'm going to pass these through real quickly, but this is the, the use of Bina. It says, First Chronicles 12, verse 32, of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, okay? So again, a practical understanding, a practical knowledge. They knew what to do. And then again, we see that in Proverbs, and you can look these up later and check out how those play out, okay? But you're also supposed to lift up your voice for understanding. And the, for, the word for lift up is the word Nathan, okay, Natan, okay? And so it is literally then to rise up and to, 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 to in pitch and in fervor, okay? For again, what do you think this word is? Tabuna. Okay, so we've already talked about the boon. I'm not going to talk about it again, okay? So you cry after discernment, lift up your voice for understanding. Fourth, the fourth requisite, okay, 
If you seek wisdom as silver and search for wisdom as hidden treasure. Okay? You know I have the wisdom there because it says seek her, search for her. Okay? And it's wisdom. And I don't have a lot of time to go through this, but the, this and now going between seek and search is really a, 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 just a really exciting word study. The word seek literally just means to look for. Okay? Now, you can say, okay, fine, that makes sense. But when we get to search, it's going to mean to seek in a very diligent way for something. Okay? So this just means I'm looking for it. I mean, you know the difference, right? I mean, you're looking for your wallet. I missed, you know, I, I put it down someplace. But you've gone all the places looking for your wallet, and what? It wasn't there. And all of a sudden, you switch from seeking to what? Searching. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? All of a sudden, it's like, okay, panic starting to set in. My wallet and everything is missing. And now, I'm starting to be like the, 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 the woman who lost her two silver pieces, and I'm starting to sweep the entire room to find it. Make sense? Okay? So... Seek literally just means to look for. So Joseph sought his brothers. Um, when his brothers were there in, in, down in Egypt with him, he was going to reveal himself, and he saw Benjamin, he sought a place to weep. It wasn't like he was like looking over and everything, just, oh, where can, I, where can I weep, where can I weep? He was just looking, okay? And so again, Exodus 33, Leviticus 19, um, seeking after Yahweh or seeking after mediums. People are looking for, for one, something to fill in that, that, that spiritual gap that's there. They're either going to be looking for Yahweh or they're going to look for mediums. What are we looking for? Not us necessarily, but what is the world as a whole? Are they looking for Yahweh or are they looking to mediums? Really, think about it. What's this world looking to right now? They're looking to mediums. They're looking to mediums. Every time you watch a weather forecaster, you're looking to a medium. Anyways, sorry. Uh, <laughs> They're just prognosticating. They don't know. But, but the reality is, they are, in, in, a, in the sense that, that a medium was one who was going to give them counsel for the future that wasn't going to come from God. It was going to be from either dead people or from other gods. Okay? So I just wanted to challenge you that. But, again, this word then, to search, okay, is our word, um, kafas, um, kafas, and it means to search diligently for something. And so, Genesis 31, 35. Laban, looking for the idols when he chased down um, Jacob and Rachel and Leah. Do you remember what that situation was about? What did Rachel do before, before they, they left daddy's house? Stole his gods. Yeah. Isn't, aren't you glad that nobody can steal your god? Amen. He's, he's, he's panicking because somebody stole his gods. Really? That's an impressive gods. Anyways, and so, so here he is, and Jacob says what? You can, just look. If you find it, you, you bring it out, and then we'll deal with what, what, what we find, right? And there's Rachel. She's starting to sweat it. Because what dad doing? Daddy's looking everywhere. He's searching and so they're sitting there in her camel, camel bag. And so what does she do? She sits on the camel bags and pretends that it's her time of the month so that he's not going to make her get up, you know. And so there it is. But he was looking through everything to find them. He was searching. He wanted to find them. Genesis 44, Joseph's serpent, serpent. Joseph's servant when he was looking for Joseph's goblet. Remember? So he sent the, 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 um, the brothers out. And he put 
the goblet in Benjamin's sack. And so how do you think that the, the, um, the servant did that? Do you think he walked right up to, to Benjamin's? No, that would look a little fishy because he would know where it's at, right? So he made it look like he was doing a thorough search, okay? 1 Samuel 23, 23. Saul was looking for David. Do you remember the analogy that we're told that Saul uses about David? He was going to look for David like a what? Like he was looking for a, a flea. He was going to search all over because he was going to search him like a flea. And that's the idea, is that he's searching. He was going to search all over the place. And whenever word came out, he was going to go there because he wanted David dead. It's kind of like the bounty hunter. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes that he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law, he was a Pharisee. As touching the law, he was blameless. He was persecuting the church. But then he goes on, put that in your brain, but then he goes on later and he says, but whatever things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, yeah, I count them all but dung for the excellency of the knowledge of my Savior, Jesus Christ, right? And my desire is to know him and the power of his resurrection and fellowship of his sufferings and being made conformable unto his death, right? And he says, and not that I already attained, either were already perfect, but this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind in what? reaching forward to the things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. The word persecute, the church, and press toward the mark are the exact same word. It's the word dioko. It's the idea of searching for something, pressing, looking for it like, like a bounty hunter. So think of a bounty hunter looking for someone who's got dead or wanted, dead or alive. Is he looking or is he searching? He's searching. And he's got this thing before him. Remember? It's kind of going back to the three candy roll. He's got that, 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 that ultimate goal, that ultimate treasure that's there, and he's going for it. If I told you that I found a map of your property, I was at the county seat, and there it was. And on that old map, there was an X marked a spot that buried deep 12 feet in the ground was a treasure chest with a million dollars in it. Would you go out and buy a backhoe? Would you go out and rent one? How fast would you start digging in the backyard? Seek her as silver. Search for her as hidden treasure. Just like you do if you knew there was a million bucks. I mean, it may be even more because they were the old Spanish gold coins, you know. And so they're from years ago. They could be so much more. And we'd do everything for it. Then Hadad told Ahab, he said, look, I'm going to send my servants to your house. And they're going to look and they're going to search. And whatever brings a, a glint a gleam to your eye they're going to take. What do you think Benton Haydad's servants did when they went to Ahab's house? Do you think they just kind of looked around? Oh, I don't see anything. No. One of them's looking at his eyes, and the other one's going through everything. And whenever his eyes got a little panicked, I hope we don't find that, they said, take that. Does that make sense? That's what they're doing. Proverbs 20, verse 27. 
The spirit of a man is the lamp of Yahweh, searching all the inner depths of his heart. As you search in this book of treasure, do you know what happens? It searches down inside here. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide asunder between the soul and the spirit and the bone and the marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So my question is, how much do you really want it? I want to close with Job chapter 28. Please turn there. We're going to read the entire chapter. I know, the book of Job. There's a whole lot of wisdom and understanding in the book of Job. You just got to be careful as you read it because it's also a depressing book. It can be a depressing book. You have to understand that God was also bringing out um, um, Job's pride in the midst of it all as well. But Job 28. Do I have a slide for that? I do indeed. Surely there is a mine for silver in a place where gold is refined. Iron is taken from the earth and copper is smelted from ore. Man puts an end to darkness and searches every recess for ore in the darkness in the shadow of death. He breaks open the shaft away from people in places forgotten by feet. Do you suffer mode? Do you realize this is Job? Job lived just after the days of Noah, in the, in the days before Abraham. This is the oldest book that we have recorded. Do you, do you understand what Job's talking about? What they were doing? They were mining. They're, they're, they're digging shafts to get the ore. So at verse 4. They hang far away from men. They swing to and fro. As for the earth, from it comes bread. But underneath it, it is turned up as fire. Its stones are the source of sapphires, and it contains gold dust that no path, no, that, that path no bird knows, nor has the falcon's eye seen it. The proud lions have not trodden it, nor has the fierce lion passed over it. He puts his hand on the flint. He overturns the mountains at the roots. He cuts out channels in the rocks. In his eyes sees every precious thing. He dams up the streams from trickling. What is hidden, he brings forth the light. But where can Kokma wisdom be found? And where is the place of Binah understanding? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. The deep says it is not with me. The sea says it's not with me. It cannot be purchased for gold, nor can silver be weighed for its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir, in precious onyx or sapphire. Neither gold nor crystal can equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewelry of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or quartz, for the price of wisdom, kokma, is above rubies. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. From where, then, does Kokma come from? And where is the place of Binah? Understanding, it is hidden from the eyes of all living, 
and concealed from the birds of the air. Destruction and death say, we have heard a report about it with our ears. God understands, being understands its ways, and he knows, yada, its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees under the whole heavens to establish a weight for the wind and apportion the waters by measure. When he made a law for the rain and a path for the thunderbolt, then he saw wisdom and declared it. He prepared it indeed and searched it out. And to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is kokhmah, that's wisdom. And to depart from evil is binah. What is it that you truly want? What's on your bucket list? Everybody's got a bucket list. Everybody's got a, a, a wish list. What is it in life that you really, really want? Is it wisdom? Is wisdom even on the list? If it's not, then you need to change the way you, you think. How passionate and diligent are you in seeking to obtain wisdom and understanding? Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for giving us your word whereby we can have wisdom and understanding. Lord, it is there for the taking. You've asked us just to receive it. But then also to search for it, and to seek it. Your word is true. It's consistent. It's the same throughout. Jesus, while you were on the earth, you told us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, to lay up treasures in heaven, not on the earth. And that we couldn't serve two gods. We can't serve the true God and the things of this world at the same time. Forgive us, Lord, for being distracted by the things of this world. Forgive us for, for valuing the things of this world above the things that are contained in your truth, your wisdom, your understanding. Lord, help us to be passionate in our pursuit. Lord, that we would be men and women walking on this earth who would emulate your wisdom and your understanding. Lord, that we would not be swayed. We would not be inclined by the deceptions of the world. That our hearts would not be stretched away from you. But, Father, that we would love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. That you would be preeminent in our actions, in our thoughts, and then ultimately in our words. Be magnified, Lord, in our lives individually, in our homes, in our families, and in this assembly. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.